0: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com/slash host.
1: The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world makes sense. <laughs> Open the pape doors
2: now.
0: I'm sorry, Dan. I'm afraid I can't do that. You're the last
1: the
0: go ahead make my day
1: hello everybody and welcome to a brand new episode of black hole cinema with myself Tony black your learned host and today this is a slightly different podcast in that it's not technically about cinema it's actually uh, going to be about Television, which for years was the uh, the lower beast of entertainment, but has uh, enjoyed a renaissance over the last two decades and is now in many ways considered as good as, if not better. And it won't just be me rambling at you this time. Here to join me for all things TV chat is my good friend, Mr. Matt Latham. Hello there. And Latham is somebody who watches even more TV than I do. I watch quite a bit of telly in, in my time, but. He's um, he's very much a TV buff. And just to say, if you can hear him better than you could Chris Wilson a couple of weeks ago, then it's because he's sitting next to me. I know. Wow. It's exciting. Yes. Yeah. This is the first podcast I've ever done where I'm not talking at a computer, which always makes me feel like we're heading into Terminator territory, slightly. <laughs> um, and it's the beginning of the end. But yeah, this um. It's cool, and we just thought we'd talk about various different um, TV-related things, things that Matt has been watching, and how it kind of relates to film. We are going to tie it into film, to be fair, even though even though it's something that's, you know, uh, television, it's, it is going to tie into film in various ways uh, that we've thought of. And we're going to have a little quiz, <laughs> aren't we? Which uh, yeah, yes. we're very excited about, and we'll tell you more about that in a minute. But, yeah, it's just going to be... A podcast that's really talking about television itself and how it's become what it is today as opposed to in the old days when film was seen as the big, you know, entertainment Premier League thing, whereas it's not quite the same in the world today. Why do you think that is, Matt? I think it might be to do with the ease that people can watch things now,
2: whereas, well, for example, you've got DVDs and... Netflix or well instant streaming like Netflix or Hulu, Hulu if you're in your Hulu 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 yes <laughs> <laughs> well, Hulu. Amazon, well Amazon Prime as well love film and mm. it's, it's, it's it's perhaps just a lot easier to be able to access a lot more TV mm. nowadays than perhaps it is well film well, mm. film well, it, well you buy a DVD of the film or well, VHS of the film back in the olden days, but, uh, old well, days old days we remember is, them yeah but it perhaps wasn't as easy to get TV mm. programmes that way and it's, I think it's I think it's. there's a lot more emphasis on perhaps TV mm. in their days than perhaps film but.
0: Mm.
1: no I think that's true back like 20, 30 years ago television I think was seen as as the lesser medium because it was certainly in America and obviously British television has, has followed the, the American trend in most ways hasn't it really over the yeah. last 20 15 to 20 years.
2: Probably the last 10 more
1: than that. Yeah, probably, yeah. And you only have to look at our biggest drama now, you know, Doctor Who, which is probably the biggest thing on British television, to see the American influence of that. And it's enormous. Yeah. And it's completely followed the idea of American serialised television. But, and with production values. But back in, like, the 80s and before, you know, the primetime American shows, if they weren't comedies, then they were... And they weren't soap operas. They were, like fluff or detective dramas, weren't they? It was things like Quincy or Kojak or it yeah. was also Knight Rider or yeah. MacGyver. Things that were silly and looked a bit cheap and were fun but... Disposable. Disposable,
2: yeah. yeah. The, say so then you've got, but perhaps I think in the late 80s you've started having shows that start to push out or experiment a bit. I think the, the first, one of the first few TV shows I think I remembered, well not me, remember that... I think did that was a show called, is it Hill Street Blues? Which Hill Street
0: was, Blues, yes. Yeah, yeah. I, which,
2: I, which admittedly I've not watched at all.
1: No,
0: me neither, but, but I've heard a lot about but it. But it. it's
2: heard about, but apparently it was one of the first few shows to use a kind of mockumentary, well not mockumentary, but like a documentary fly on the wall on mm. of drama and it was more, mm. and it dealt with um, the characters' lives, which, stuff, stuff that's now pretty much yeah. a dime a penny with all your procedurals and that, it just yeah. shows you all the personal lives and stuff, but... And you had all these like kind of serialized stuff that slowly gets thrown in, and it wasn't all soaps. It was, mm. And then you've got, um, I think, the next big one, perhaps, was uh, the development of, I think, moonlighting, probably, um, with the Bruce Willis and Civil Shepherd, which was well, mid
1: to late eighties,
2: wasn't that it? That was late, like, late eighties, and I think they had that developing love, mm. that like love interest, which developed throughout the show, and I think carried on. And like, kind of mm. built upon previous episodes, and mm. there's like an natural development. It wasn't like the Star Trek reset button. Yeah, like yeah. Um, and then there was, but then that, that led to that whole moonlighting syndrome, mm. <laughs> of like UST that gets resolved. But that's a whole different story. And then perhaps yeah, another, another podcast, maybe yes. do that yes. one the
1: moonlighting special. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> don't give him. Don't give him ideas. <laughs>
2: actually, I do have that. I do have the first two series on DVD, but I've never actually watched it properly yet. Well, there you go. There's your cue.
1: Yep. Get ready for the next podcast. Yeah, I mean, like <laughs> special. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um,
2: but then I think then it was like shows like um, X Files, which I which I know that you're a bit know more about it than I do. Which, but then that started throwing serialized elements into it. Mm. And then you probably had show Then it came um, Buffy the Vampire Slayer um, and these sort of teenage mm. dramas that kicked in. Um, Probably, well, building on stuff like, like Beverly Hills, mm, was mm. that was that was actually that like Cateen sub that was kind of serialised. Yeah. For, I think it's the late years anyway. Um, then, well, you start getting stuff at 24 and Lost, and those things that are built yeah. on serialisations. But then, and it's probably not easy to follow that stuff now because of like DVD and mm. streaming. And with all these cable network shows that come in there, we got Breaking Bad, mm. um, The Wire, and all this kind of stuff. Mm. With, with like the modern ways of being you know, able to view all of this,
1: it mm. becomes easier to mm.
2: watch more complex shows. Yeah, man.
1: and yeah, I think you've you've neatly tracked the arc of it there. Really, I think yeah. from the the days when it kind of started to change in the way television was made, and the people importantly who started to make television, and how it's developed pretty much yeah in roughly about the last twenty five years. Because that I think that's kind of been the time period where it began to change. Late 80s, very early 90s. Yeah. And you've, you've mentioned a few shows there where the big changes, I think, were, were two things. One, the one was the serialised television element and that was encapsulated in things like, say, Hill Street Blues, a lot of the early homicide life on the streets, a lot of the early procedurals that did yeah. a lot of those, even though they had their own you know, story arcs and, and solitary things, there were characters you followed to an extent. Yeah. So there was that element... And there was also production values, I think. And this, this is what this is what the interesting part in that when television... When did television become ch- a challenger to film in terms of telling a story? And I think it was at the point where you did start to get genre become more of a serialised, well-produced element. And that was the days of when the X-Files started. I mean, X-Files is, as you'll discover later, it is my favourite show of all time. And I think and it has... I won't go into this because I'll, I'll bore you. But X-Files, I believe has been largely responsible for a lot of the trends of television that we see today in terms of the influence the the keyword i've always heard which was is
2: the term crossover not in terms of crossover of different shows but crossover of genres because yeah. it is pretty much um, three it was pretty much three shows it was the it was the procedural yeah element it was the science fiction elements yeah. and the one that people probably uh, well, but don't think of it's the UST Absolutely. romantic element. Which Absolutely, I don't. Which I don't know if it was that apparent throughout the first few seasons, but there was definitely UST. It's like it lighting
1: UST. It was, yeah, and it, it was. It was something that very quickly the fans became hooked on, and you know, it's these these little elements are the things that really draw people in more yeah. than the actual like concept idea. You've got so many shows that have gone the way of the dodo after a few episodes or a few se- or a season yeah. because they don't have those characters or that. That connection, or those that that romantic thing going on, where yeah. you've got a perfect alchemy of perfect casting of actors who have real chemistry and characters that are so well written yeah. that they have that natural kind of you know fixation where people are drawn in and they want yeah. to know how it ends. And Mulder and Scully in the X Files are now yeah. iconic because they had all of those things. You had, I mean, you know, Mulder was the Sherlock Holmes, the new age Sherlock Holmes. Scully was the Doctor Watson. So you had that element, but you also had the fact that secretly they wanted to. They wanted to get in each other's pants. Really, yeah. and it was so underplayed, and it wasn't, it wasn't a big thing. But it was. There were looks. There were moments. There was the odd touch. There was the odd, and it got more and more as the show went on. Yeah, and the show changed, but yeah. that's that's the kind of thing that the best shows that changed the way television was was made had, and it had, and things like Babylon Five, because that's another b- big one that is less well known because it's very genre, it's very science fiction, but it also had real emotional character arcs at the centre of it. And J. Michael Straczynski is another one who, like Chris Carter, he's kind of like a godfather of of modern great television. And they're the kind of people, and I was just going to say, one of the things Chris Carter said when he made The X-Files was he wanted to make a movie on television every week. Even though parts of it have dated, a lot of it hasn't. A lot of it you can still see. You could still put it on a cinema screen. It would still be quite transfixed. You know, you would be. And it, it it would hold up. Even today, and those are things that were made twenty years ago, and that was the beginning of this this arc you talked about of how it developed, it, and then it it started to then deepen, I think, in genre, which is when you got to Buffy.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, and then Buffy took that and moved it into a different direction because it tapped a lot into pop culture, didn't it? And a lot of yeah, you know, into that teenage angst, and it got a whole new audience, didn't it? Yeah. Exactly. You know? Well, it it had
2: as you'll find out later on, that Buffy's probably my my Mm. equivalent of X-Files. It had those relatable characters, as you said, more than Scully, Mm. but then it had it in a unique... Well, it was basically a teenage drama mixed in with Mm. science... Well, horror. It was more horror. But then it it was less of being a movie each week as being a a spin on or a commentary on the old horror tropes that you had with cinema. Well, it it was based on... It was basically getting all these horror movie tropes that mm. you had, um, but then spinning it into a metaphor for teenage drama. Yeah, and yeah. It, you, you can't deny that it, that it did its job well, so... Oh. Well, the first, well the, the first the first few moments of the first ever episode, you got um, a yeah. young couple got breaking into a school. Yeah, what's that the young wrong going, what's that, someone's here, someone's here. He goes, no, no, it's fine, maybe it's something. The cool guy going, oh, there's no one here. And you... you Usually you'd be going, Yeah, serial killer coming out, bye bye blonde," yeah, yeah, and yeah. then the blonde girl turns <clears throat> to a vampire and kills the bloke. It's like, okay, and that's the mission statement for the whole yeah. show. And then pretty much, and pretty much starts perhaps the more the more self-referential or self-awareness of the following fifteen years. Yeah, universe, and so. it,
1: again, and Buffy's another one that has that a lot of shows and a lot of ideas have been pillaging or taken a cue from over the last. Yeah, the last fifteen, sixteen years, yeah. and it, it, it's left itself a legacy in terms yeah. of of what it's doing for television and what it's done for television. And like you say, the self-referential element of of cinema that has seeped into television. It's allowed, and, and Joss Whedon's another one of those great, you know, writers and producers who saw uh, something that hadn't been done before in television. That again is leaping off things that have been done in literature or film or. All these different elements, and it's it just made it just these shows kind of shows just made television deeper and richer than it was before. I think, and then you know when we move into the two thousands, and you've got shows like, like you say, Twenty Four, which was, which was like, which, which was purely serialized, yeah. and the whole concept was a revolving yeah. around that. Even though um, I will say that the film Nick of Time with Johnny Depp and Christopher Walken had that idea before 24. I don't know if you've ever seen Nick of Time. No, no. no. It's it's a little film with Johnny Depp who basically is this mild-mannered guy. He's got a daughter and his daughter gets kidnapped by these um, crooks who basically say to Johnny Depp, right, you've got 80 minutes to kill a senator in that hotel across the road or you're going to kill your daughter. And it happens in real time and he has to find a way and, and they're watching him at every point. They've got him completely boxed in. They give him a gun and they say, right, you've got to go and do this. Otherwise, we're going to kill her in 80 minutes. The clock's ticking. And Christopher Walken's this... Absolute git who just stalks him all the way through. And the moment Johnny Depp, you think he's going to get someone to help him, Christopher they there going, "Just do it. You've got You've got another seventy minutes." You know that kind of thing. And it's it's a really good little tight so it film. It's
2: all in real time. Well?
1: It's all in real time. It, it really it's not um, it's not got a clock like Twenty Four anything. But it's all in real time. It happens over that eighty minutes, and it's quite a nice little tight. It's not a perfect film. It's not a particularly you know amazing film in a lot of ways. But it's a good little solid idea. and It does it well. So Twenty Four probably quite knowingly. Because that would have been seen by people, because he had Johnny Depp in, you know, Christopher yeah. Walken. They probably took a cue from that. So you've got a lot of these, these things.
2: Slightly random aside, you mentioned Twenty Four, uh, Breaking Bad. Um, there was Howard Gordon and Vince Gilligan. Where did they start off?
1: On The X Files, <laughs> exactly. And you can trace, yeah, you can trace a lot of the the showrunners and the writers of, of all of the shows these days that people go on about and they love most. Of, a lot of them started, yeah. On the X Files, and quite a lot of them started on Buffy as well, or were, yeah. were around Buffy at the time. Yeah, you know people like Jeffrey Bell, wasn't he on Buffy?
2: He well, I think or he was angel. More angel. It was Angel,
1: and now he's running Shield, isn't he, or co-running Shield? Yeah, yeah. You've got and even even on the, the X Files, Jeffrey Bell was on the X Files well, as well. Later, about. later in the yeah, later in the season. Yeah, so. you, you know you've got you've got a lot of these guys who started off on these kind of shows, and you know another one, Star Trek: Deep Space Nine, which deserves a lot of credit as well because that took. um you know, not just a massive franchise, but it, it was it was involved in that renaissance of serialized television. You had people like you know Ronald Moore, Ron Moore on there, who then went on and did Battlestar Galactica, which is yeah. another modern. You know, and these are all it's all DNA that, that builds to the point now where you've got you've got TV drama like Breaking Bad, like The Wire, like Mad Men, like um, Hannibal, which has got a lot of buzz lately. You know, and and all these things that now now you get movie actors doing as much television as you do anything else. One of the things, I don't know if you saw this last week, was that um, the British drama Peaky Blinders, Tom Hardy, yeah. has now joined. Yeah. Now, if that doesn't... Things like silly, silly and silly and Murphy's insane. in that. Now, I haven't watched Peaky Blinders. I've heard a lot about it. I've been told it's very good. But that just proves, you know, Tom Hardy has been in some of the biggest films ever made, right? He's a, he's a stone-cold stone movie actor, right? He doesn't have to do a BBC One show, but he's done it because... The quality is good enough, and that that speaks for itself, doesn't it? Yeah, fairly? you know.
2: Yeah, and uh, when leading the, and all to the present day, and perhaps going to TV shows that have that movie budget. So you've got pro- shows like Homeland, which mm. could look like movies, and the biggie, the biggest one so far is Game of Thrones, which yeah, is, yeah. which which has probably got more more of a budget than perhaps majority of. A movie, and it and it looks like a movie. It's yeah. bloody difficult to follow. Oh god, it's, yes, yeah. it's, it's ridiculously hard to follow, but it looks, it looks brilliant. It's got the oh, production god. values is amazing. It will, amazing.
1: It's, it will stand up for many many years. Game of Thrones, and it won't. Yeah, it's a true phenomenon. Really, yeah. very little will match that in terms yeah. of scope. But
2: looking back, I think Game of Thrones would be something that you'd have to view as a whole. I don't think if we finish this massive 70-hour movie that's kind
1: of... Well, and, th- and this is exactly the yeah. point, isn't it? In that that's why, the, for years, there was probably this reticence of, of doing what they do now on television outside of film because, you know, people aren't going to want to watch something that's 50, year, 50 yeah. hours long, you know. But the, the thing is now, like you say, with the, the embrace especially of, of DVDs where you can block-watch DVDs yeah. and get a box set and watch them, and especially, and even more now with your Netflix and your love films, and we'll, go, we'll,
2: we'll talk about that. later. Like, yeah, we?
1: and that I mean, that, and that's the future, and that's only going to get even more easier to watch things with the the advent of technology. So it makes it much easier to blast through a lot, a long-standing narrative arc. But yeah. crucially, you tend to find now that people are more invested in in a in a narrative, a continuing narrative, like like a Game of Thrones, like a um, like a Homeland, like, like, like a, things like that, than they are necessarily a standalone. You do get a lot of people watch the standalones, but they dip in and out, don't they? Whereas the real phenomenon shows are the ones where you tend to find they are they are characters you really click with and you're hooked, aren't you? Yeah. You know, and that's where that's where it's really blurred, I think, hasn't it really now? The fact that, like I say, you've got the movie actors doing television shows, you've got television shows that have been as well written as movies, you've got movie yeah. directors directing telly, you've got yeah. Movie writers write for TV, and it's all mixed, has not it now? Yeah, it's, all it's it's
2: it's 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 coming like just so together. It's yeah,
1: ridiculous. And and now, as we'll talk about, we'll talk about Shield later, and that's that's a perfect example of how film has informed television, yeah. even more so. So, do you think that the future's bright for TV in this way?
2: Yeah, um, I I I think we've done as plenty of scope for new shows new stories um there's a lot of buzz at the moment about a tv show called true detective mm. which i've not seen yet i've not i've personally, i've purposely not tried to watch any of it yet um i think i'm going to wait until the first season that's done or try and
1: get in position to try and watch that all the way through um does that that has matthew mcconaughey in doesn't it yeah and nothing's
2: woody Harrelson. And woody Harrelson, yeah. both
1: established movie actors yeah. matthew mcconaughey right now he's one of the biggest actors on the planet, really, isn't he? Because yeah. he's doing these amazing things, he's getting Oscar nominated, you know? Yeah. It's, it's it's people coming out of their comfort zone and doing things like that. And, you know, um, Matthew McConaughey, for, I mean, he'll, he'll he'll make that TV show really good because I think he's always been a good actor anyway. I mean, I, I'd point people to Contact, which is a film that was made late 90s with Jodie Foster about um, the search for alien life. And he's great in that. He plays a priest. So you've got these these really good movie actors who, who are dipping into these this water and I think yeah I think you're right I think I think the future is going to be bright and I think I think we're going to see more of a crossover a direct crossover maybe as well from movies to TV and and storylines intertwining and do you think that television will ever really compete with film in terms of being a, a phenomenon that, that gets people globally in a way that film can do like you know your Avengers or your um, you know your Twilight films or whatever
2: Possibly, I think, it's, it's, it's prob- probably on a different level to how movies are made, but it's it's how immediate people can get stuff mm. nowadays, mm. So, so they can see stuff out through the internet and everything, it's that kind of immediacy, which, is prob- which you probably don't get with film, like um, I think it, it's, it's probably, you get from concept to a, t- a TV episode a lot quicker than you can get from concept to movie, and I, th- I th- and I think you'll always have that. I mean, you'll have your big spectacle your films and stuff. But I don't. But I think in terms of, well, in terms of characters, well, in terms of characters as well, you're not going to probably have, you're probably going to have an audience mm. connect more with a TV character than you probably do with a movie character.
1: So I'll give you an example. I think of what you've just said. Yeah. House of Cards. Which I've not yet watched. Which, know? but but the, you know how big House of Cards has been in terms of being you know produced or directed yeah. by David Fincher, and it's had like a. 30, 40 million budget, yeah. and Kevin Spacey's in it, and it's been on Netflix, and the second season's just launched on Netflix. Yeah. And I haven't, I haven't watched any of them either, but the buzz around those has been huge, both here and America. And you think, well, if that can happen, you know, and, and it's all there, isn't it? The whole season's there at once, so people can yeah. watch that in one night if they wanted, one day or whatever. Yeah. And, you know, that kind of thing. It's like going to the movies, isn't it? And watching a major release. You'll see all of that. You're not going to. Go to the movie, see a bit, of it, and then go home, and then see a bit of it later, right? Yeah. You know, you're gonna see it in one go. So that seems to be where the line is really, is really blurring, really. And I suppose yeah. it all depends if your things like your Netflix go global because they're not in every territory yet.
2: No, not now. But it's, it's like it's like when when they brought back at rest of developments, mm. which is is one of my favorite comedies of all time. Mm. They they brought they managed to get the right to do the whole new. Thing. Mm. the the season four of that mm. and I remember pretty much spent watching that over the space of two days yeah and but that was like a massive global thing as well I think yeah which was a buzz with all
1: that yeah and, exactly yeah. so you've got it, it launches onto the social networking now doesn't it and everyone's talking about it and hashtagging it and trending yeah. and all this so it builds up this kind of it's like it's almost like where where you would have a packed cinema theatre going to watch yeah Avengers or whatever now you've got several million homes where you've got families or whatever or people yeah. sitting around watching the same thing on yeah. Netflix. They're just not in the same room. Yeah. So, you know, but they're probably watching it at a similar time or at the same time. So then they'll, on the same night, they'll go on Twitter and go, oh my God, look what happened, you know. So it's it's strange, isn't it? But, yeah. it's, and it's, I suppose it's hard to, you know, is it the same experience as going to a movie showing and having that, you know, moment where everyone... He's cheering or laughing or crying or whatever, and it's that's the difference, I suppose, isn't it? Yeah. And I suppose it makes it more personal, which I suppose I think television always has been, really, hasn't it? I think you're right. I think the yeah. future's bright. Cool. Okay. Um, what? Yeah. What we're going to do is we. Matt came up with this idea of um, us having a mastermind of <laughs> of each other's favourite, um, not just TV shows, but specific seasons of TV shows. So Matt went with. Um, well, you tell us. What season did you go?
2: I mentioned earlier that Buffy the Vampire Slayer is my favourite show, mm. so I'm going to go with season two of that. And I'll do you want me to explain why. Either? Yeah, go on. Yeah. Okay. Now, there is a trend. Of, I mean, when I was growing up, I think season two was my favourite season. As I got older and I did a rewatch about a year and a half ago, I have come to realise. Probably the general consensus is that consistently, season three is probably the best quality season. I would uh, agree. Yeah. Um, I can only th- perhaps at a stretch think of one or two. Perhaps subpar episode or episodes that nestle that line. Season two, however, I will maintain that season two. It's got a couple more clunkers. It's got some actually. That's no, got some really bad episodes in it. Ted. No, actually, I like. To, <laughs> I like Ted. <to, laughs> like okay. Thing. Um, I think I think the be- I think the when season two gets good, it surpasses anything that does season three. There are some absolutely. Brilliant episodes of TV in season two, which I will maintain are some of the best hours of TV that have ever been produced. So, for example, you've got Surprising Innocence" two-parter. You've got "Passion," and uh, becoming becoming. Um, you'll, you'll disagree with me, but "School Hard" is is perhaps my favourite. Is my favourite episode
1: of anything mm. ever? Mm. Uh, We've all got one of them, though. Nobody yeah. ever says yeah. the same. And one. I think,
2: but then again, though, perhaps, and perhaps it is. Slight, I'm slightly I don't know whether it's biased or not. I, I kind of grew up with it I was I have an emotional connection to season two yeah um season three is perhaps a stronger season and a lot of people have argued that season five is quite strong as well um I don't think season five is strong as season two um in terms of when it hits the high points I mean
1: I don't either I, I agree uh, yeah and
2: there' there is nothing there is nothing funnier than seeing uh, Nicholas Brendan cringing when average white band is playing, got the love, and they in, perhaps another one of my favourite
1: episodes of TV ever. I, I think that, I mean, I only watched Buffy, I, I only watched Buffy last year actually, as you, you know. You
2: binged it for
1: Netflix. I binged it in Netflix, yes, yeah. and I did Buffy and Angel simultaneously, I mean, good God, I mean, my girlfriend at the time basically said I was a sad actor who had no life, because she, she literally would, would call me up and I'd go, she what are you doing? Oh, I'm watching another Buffy and Angel, because, again... Because I, I spent about three months, it took me three months. I watched about two or three, sometimes I do it up to six a night. It was, it was, because it was like a 280 ma- episode marathon. Anyway, I did it. My my, rec- my record, I think, was when,
2: was, this was years and years ago when I had the, the VHS. I've still got, I've got pretty much all of them on VHS in the yeah, box sets, yeah, yeah. apart from Angel Season 5, which annoys me. It annoys the hell out of me. I think I managed to do episodes one to ten of *City* season four mm-hmm. in one day. Yeah. and I think that's still probably the longest I've ever watched anything currently. Yeah, in terms of TV,
1: it's doable. Yeah, I've done binges like that. It's a lot, though, isn't it? After After a while, you just end up. That's it. I think I did. I think I've done the whole seasons of *Big Bang Theory* in
2: one day, but. I think that's because I couldn't move and switch it off because I was hungover. I think no, yeah. <laughs> that's it was, a great
1: cure for a hangover, isn't it? Actually, no, Sheldon actually, just coming out with no, no, actually, no,
2: actually saying that. I think it was. I think I went through. I think I'm pretty sure I watched all of season two on one New Year's Day, and then I think it was season three for the next New Year's Day. Cause
1: brilliant, was, but that's a great, that's a great cure for a hangover. But yeah, um, yeah, season two Buffy. Yeah, yeah and I, 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 think. See, personally, I think season two Buffy. i mean watched it. You know, not the same time as you did, so from a completely different perspective. I think one of the things it did do, and what I've read about, it, is that it put the show on the map. Really, season one was was a bit, you know, iffy um, altogether, apart from the finale, which was very good. Yeah, but it's, it's, and
2: that's that's probably another one of my favorite, the proxy girl is called.
1: Yeah, it's it's still
2: one of my things, and it probably still I can probably still have an emotional reaction to some of the scenes in it. Yeah, and Sarah Michelle is probably never ever going to get as good, never got as good as that scene with her and Anthony ahead, and David Burrino, which just fine, so she's going to die and stuff. Well, and this yeah. is it, you know,
1: and it's, it's those things that, that, are, that really... That was the point, I think, when Buffy started to really put itself on the map and start telling these yeah. these real storylines that... T- I mean, it, season two does Twilight, doesn't it, basically, long before Twilight was even written. Yeah,
0: right, think, yeah.
1: It, And does it better. Yeah. <laughs> right? It's that storyline, really, isn't it, in a way, with Buffy and Angel, and that, I think, is the heart of... And becoming... Is, is an excellent it's, finale because it really brings it all together it, and just does it in such a powerful melodramatic yeah. but powerful genre way it's, it's superb it's,
2: the, it's, it's a great it's, it's the extending metaphor it, it starts getting braver um, mm. it's the whole darker as well it's, it's, the, it's the boyfriend that sleeps with you and doesn't call you yeah. again and stuff. Yeah, or, it's, yeah. Yeah. or when you have a relationship and you kind of the change through it and it's an extended metaphor throughout it and it's telling actually that perhaps one or two of the subpar episodes of season three are the ones where he tries and do the early season two and season one single episode yeah. plots um, Beauty and the Beasts for, in season three and mm, um, mm, that's it, because yes, that wasn't yeah, good. because of the whole like Angel and Jealous arc it pretty much ruined any chance to show yeah. show and do again. Yeah, again and like as you see in season four when he tries to do the the metaphor for college, it just
1: doesn't work. No, because, and no.
2: That's that's David Boreanaz's fault. Well, <laughs> yeah. well, yeah, yeah. And to, to be uh, fair, I think I and to be fair, I always hold the belief that David Boreanaz is an angel. Ruined the last few seasons of Buffy. Except I I preferred Angel.
1: Well, <laughs> so it, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's a, definitely. I mean, the last couple of seasons of Buffy after season five, it's it's a bit wonky, really, for the most yeah. part. You know, season six is, is awful, to be honest. Oh, yeah, it's it,
2: I, it's, I remember saying near that. Well, I think you got two. I think episode nine. And I remember you got your in for the longest. Slugly yeah, good, bad
1: episode. and it, it just got really, really depressing. If I'm honest, really, yeah. because that's what that's how, how the, the storylines were going. Everyone was yeah. either dying or being, you know, abused, and it was awful. It, it had lost the fun of yeah. Of, I I can, I can, I could of the show.
2: It tried the whole metaphor that adult, adult life is difficult. Yeah, sort of thing, and I can see why he tried to do that.
1: Yeah. It just it wasn't as fun because adult yeah. life isn't as fun as being a teenager. <laughs> <laughs> so and, they got it right. They, yeah. In terms of actually what they were trying to do, they yeah. certainly got it right. But it just didn't. We didn't really want to watch it, did we? <laughs> and like, as, and as, you know.
2: And I think as much as the heartbreaking part of season two, going back to that again, mm. um, heartbreaking season two was. It, there's still that element of fun. It balanced the drama. That yeah. I mean, for example, because I mean, you had James Masters, as Spike who was like Yeah. He was always watchable. Yeah. Um, and David Boreano, It's just. He seemed to enjoy himself far too oh, much. God, he seemed yeah. to relish being evil, being a bad guy. He he was, was, it was like it was heartbreaking to watch, but then you could tell that everyone there was just enjoying themselves. Mm.
1: Mm. Like, oh, in- completely! So yeah. it's—I uh, think it's a good choice, really, yeah. for your favourite season. Okay, ever. so it's so yes, I'm going to, to give you 15 questions. Yeah,
2: so it's at 15.
1: Yes. Yeah. Um, and I prepared him earlier because I said they might be a bit harsh. <laughs> um, okay. Because I've, I've trawled IMDB and a few other things for this. But um, give it your best shot.
2: Yeah. So, that, so I, I don't know what, what angle he come come. We, we We've not... I've not known what angle he's going through. No. To this, so. He knows
1: nothing. He's just said, give me 15 Buffy season 2 questions, go. So that's what I've done. Okay. So, to start with, what season 2 episode is Joss Whedon's favourite of the entire show?
2: Instance.
1: well done one point to Mr yeah. Latham the the, the the episode where Buffy and Angel first sleep together and Angel first turns bad so
2: and it, invo- and it basically involves Buffy using a rocket launcher
1: yes yes <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah Buffy rocket launcher yeah. well done one point okay um, second question what is the name of Buffy's favourite steak and what season 2 character gave it to her Mr
2: Pointy and Kendra well
1: done you get three points there actually because that was technically two yeah. questions in one okay yes Mr Pointy and Kendra and Kendra was another vampire Slayer, wasn't she? Who yes. came in and, and didn't last very long, really, did she? Yeah. But she was a bit of a template, I suppose, for the later ones that came in, wasn't she? Like your Faiths and, and people like that, yeah. and all the all the potentials and things. Yeah. Okay, you might. Uh, this might be the first difficult one. What episode got an Emmy award for outstanding hairstyling for a series? <laughs> <laughs> now this is on Wikipedia, so if you've if you've looked on Wikipedia, I didn't think it won an Emmy. It did for for outstanding hairstyling. Yeah.
2: Which episode? Bloody hell. Have a
1: guess then. Potluck. Halloween. No. <laughs> Sorry. It was becoming parts one and two. Really? Yes, I don't really know why. <laughs> I don't know what the difference
2: now, was. Now, 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 unless it was just stuffing. I don't remember if, like, Willow's hair.
1: Maybe. Or maybe <laughs> Boriana's, you know, kind of gelled maybe. quiff yeah. fringe got so high <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it kind of took on a life of its own. Yeah. I don't know. Never mind. That was a tricky one. Okay. What. Which new actor in season two isn't yeah. from the same place as his character, and where is he really from?
2: Which new character?
1: Um,
2: James Masters, and he's from... He plays Spike, who's yeah. English.
1: So that's one point.
2: Ah, what's that? No, I don't know,
1: sorry. You don't know? I don't know where he's from. Okay, he was born in California.
2: Oh, okay.
1: So that's one point, yeah, um, because that's one of the big things about... James marston has got this great English accent, hasn't he? But yeah. okay, well done. Next up, what does the surname of uh, Robia Lamorte, who plays Jenny Calendar in season two, translate as, and in what language?
2: Well, Lamorte? morte?
1: La morte. Italian. The death. You got one. Out, you got one right. It's yeah. death, but it's Portuguese. Portuguese. So well done. Yeah, and of course it's ironic because of course Jenny Calendar—spoilers—Jenny Calendar dies in a really quite, you know, surprising. Oh my god,
2: why? Really? Yeah, there's um, a jo- well, Josh Whedon quote where he pretty much says, you're um, out the episode. One, to make sure that people who didn't think that Angel, Jealous, was actually jealous. Mm. No, he actually is evil. He's, actually evil. He's not Angel <laughs> anymore. And two, basically saying, goes, hey, all that cast of mine, don't get too comfy. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. you could all go. <laughs> yeah. Okay, next, what role in what major blockbuster post Buffy did David Borianas, who of course is such a central part of season two? Turned down based on how he played Angel. So they 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 saw how he played Angel, and they wanted him for this major blockbuster. But what? But what? What was it? He turned it down. You any idea? This was post Buffy. It was a few years, a couple of years after Buffy, and he went off and did Bones instead.
2: I'm gonna make a major stab in the dark.
1: Go on, Uh, Jack Ryan. No, it was Batman. Really, Bruce Wayne in Batman Begins. Christopher Nolan offered it to David Boreanaz before Christian Bale. Who, no
2: way! Can you imagine
1: how his career would have gone if he'd have taken that role? That yeah. would, that would have been
2: ridiculous. I'd...
1: And I think he would have probably done it very well, actually. Even though Christian Bale was a great Batman, I personally, I think, I think Boreanaz would have been would have can been really imagine... good. Actually, I,
2: I, I'm trying to picture Boreanaz's Batman voice. <laughs> <laughs> would have been a bit more laid back,
1: yeah, because... I think. Really. Swear me. <laughs> Come
2: on. No, we're not friends here.
1: <laughs> that was a pot shot one. I, did, I didn't know this one either. Yeah. That one. So that, you know, fair play. Um, good guess. Now you may not get this one because this, this is really random. Which major US recording singing artist was technically an executive producer on Buffy? Technically. This is really random. And it's very tether. I'll uh, give you a clue. He's a woman. Doesn't have it down much. <laughs>
2: so, 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 that's only half the world. Cut off. <laughs> yeah. Major recording artist.
1: Mm. Not necessarily someone particularly major now, but somebody who has been major for quite a while. The
2: only person, the only, the only person that pops into my head is Sarah McLaughlin. No, no that's the only. That's because of becoming... coming. yeah.
1: yeah. Is Dolly Parton? What really? <laughs> yeah, Dolly Parton was managed by well, someone called Sandy Gallin, who is an executive producer of Buffy, produces everything with Dolly Parton. So Dolly Parton technically had a kind of a, a knowledge or a say about some of the things that happened in Buffy and Angel. Yeah. yeah. It, for, for the record, Matt's looking at me now like like I've just sort of rewritten the world in his head. <laughs> are, you sure, are you sure you didn't go
2: on an encyclopedia, rather
1: <laughs> <laughs> I know. It sounds like something off encyclopedia. Yeah. So yeah, that's uh, that's a random one to get. Okay, next. Which season two episode title is borrowed from 19th century poet Henry Wadsworth Longfellow? Not one of the major poets. Well known, I think, in America, but he's not one of the biggest poets, you know.
2: Um, I keep having one episode keep throwing at me, but I'm going to uh, jump it. but I'm trying to go through all the episodes first. <laughs>
1: yeah. The Dark Age. No, it's not The Dark Age. It was When She Was Bad, and the poem goes... And when she was good, she was very, very good. But when she was bad, she was horrid. So they took that from that. Okay. Another random one. So I told you these would be difficult. <laughs> no, too, no too, too, too fair. I'm glad you doing these difficult. In School Hard, woo! Yay. what car does Spike drive? And what was it intended to be originally?
2: Mustang and... I don't know what. Cadillac, I think.
1: One, one point, yes. Because it was originally supposed to be a Cadillac. He was actually driving a DeSoto Sportsman. And it's I don't know cars, but, like, you know... Yeah, it
2: needs a while. Yeah, but that's a good guess oh, it was Cadillac, black. though. <laughs> yeah,
1: it was black. But it was supposed to be a Cadillac, yeah. Next up, in Halloween, what does Ethan Rayne leave a note to Giles saying at the end, and what show is that a to? The Prisoner and Be Seeing You. Well done! Two points. Be Seeing You, which was a... often used as a farewell in 1960s cult drama, The Prisoner, with, uh, you know, Patrick McGowan, I'm not a number, I'm a free man! You know, that. all that. What season two episode did Joss Whedon get the idea for Angel, the show, from?
2: Oh, I know this.
1: <laughs> You're doing quite well, though, to be fair. You've answered quite a lot of these questions. So don't be too hard on yourself if you don't get this. Becoming. No. No. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. It was, I only have eyes for you. Where, uh, and the scene where Angelus is possessed by a female spirit is apparently where he got the idea from. For, the moment he went, Ah! I can make a show of this. So, never mind. What in season two is it revealed Willow has an irrational fear of, and what is the condition called?
2: It's not frogs. Frogs was in other about you, Jane. Spiders was in nightmares. That's another season one. Uh. The hamster wheel is like running really fast. The hamster is like generating my mind power is like swearing mm-hmm. at me inside mm-hmm. my head. Okay, we can hear it. Picking it oh up, actually. Man. Oh, oh, um the only thing that pops up again is frogs again but I don't know what the fear is called because oh. it's in what's my line to where she screams don't want the tadpoles and like, she goes pardon and she goes Giles, I have frog fear but I don't think it's meant I can't remember if it's I'm going
1: to put you at your misery because you're right it is frogs yeah okay? <laughs> and you went full circle then because frogs was the first one you said yeah but
2: uh, then it was revealed in the first one then because in I were up you Jane she started oh she okay someone, going, frogs oh.
1: frogs frogs my, uh, my facts are wrong then from uh, bad IMDB it says season two. It is frogs, so I'm going to give you a point for that. The the condition is called ran, Ranidophobia, okay. which is a bit of a random one. But uh, So, yeah, well done. You got that in the end. In Killed by Death, what three characters did Joss Whedon base Der Kinderstad from? The character of Der Kinderstad. Three, three movie characters as well, incidentally. Freddy Krueger. Point. Well done. Jason Voorhees. Nope. I'll give you one more guess. So you're not Ingrid, gonna it. Ingrid Bergman. Ingrid Bergman. Ingrid <laughs> Bergman. <laughs> I think okay. she might have been fictional. Yes. Uh, yes, she was. Yeah. No, she wasn't. She was an actress. What am I talking about? Um, a Swedish actress, so no. Um, Freddy Krueger's right, though. Yeah, at one point. The other one was Nosferatu, the, uh, the original vampire, uh, and the boogeyman. Okay. Who is actually more of a folklore character, I suppose, than a movie character, but there you go. So, uh, yeah. Well done for one point. And finally... What famous rocker in the dark age did the producers superimpose a young Giles's head on because he was holding a bass guitar? Mick Jagger. No, Sid Vicious. Because oh, Giles, Giles was a punk, wasn't he?
2: In the seventies. Things I was going to say, Sid Vicious. I was going to say Sid Vicious, but oh. I think, but I think Sid Vicious was part of the inspiration for Spike. As well as Billy, yeah. I, as well as Billy Idol.
1: But then, of course, there was the whole thing later in the late seasons of Buffy that Giles and Spike had this very sort of, it's a twisted kind of father, son, brother, oh, yeah. older brother thing. Because they, because Giles kind of reminded himself of Spike, didn't he, in the old when he was younger. So kind of, they kind of tapped into that more as it went it, on.
2: Um, is it tabula rasa where it goes? the thing the blood father and son after that memory wiping he goes yeah. what's my son Randy you call me Randy We <laughs> just call me desperate for a shabby Giles a <laughs> <laughs> horny Giles
1: aren't yeah you? they had some great things so okay final score then you have scored 11 points hey, so hey, well call. done hey, uh, well I'm not quite sure because we had a few questions that were double. but I, I, I would estimate around 20 so that's pretty good you've okay. got over half so well done well done that was a good innings because they were quite tricky questions there mm-hmm. um, there will be another quiz later on because uh, Latham's going to test my knowledge of another show it um, be if <laughs> well we'll see don't say that yet but for now we're going to move back on to some talk and we're going to talk about two shows but neither of which I've seen incidentally so I'm going to let Matt take the lead and talk about these Okay. Um, but the first one is the American version of The Office
2: Yes, The Office US. Um, I was pretty much trying to find a, a show to binge watch, and a friend of mine pretty much recommended watching The Office. So, um, I ended up going through about, in a period of two and a half months, going through and watching about 201 episodes of this, which is uh, pretty much a good feat. I think I'll, It was pretty much from November to the end of January, I think. And, much Throughout Christmas, all I did was watch The Office. There's either that and play Farm Fantasy 8. That's a whole other story. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Um, I wasn't sure what to expect when I first watched it. Because, obviously, I was a massive, massive fan of the original with Ricky Gervais. And it's a massive part of British culture. And I remember watching the first couple of... Uh, the first few episodes of Season 1. Um, when it first came out. And the first... Well, the first episode is pretty much a toe-to-toe retread of the first episode of the UK one. Even the even the gag of um, where Tim pretty much puts Gareth's um, stapler in, like... And, jelly. In jelly and everything. That's copied there. It's like he put these whole stuff's copied in there, but it's just slightly changed, the Americanisms. And I, I think I watched that, and I didn't really... I think I watched another couple, but didn't really get into it. Uh, but throughout the years, I've heard good stuff about it, and all this kind of stuff, and as I said, I think I was trying to think of things to do, and I was having a chat with a friend, and she recommended The Office, and I thought, okay, I'll sit, down and watch, I'll sit down and watch that, and went through the first series, and then the second series got into that, and that's when it started to spin its own unique visions of the character, so it wasn't really, it kind of cast off the shadow of the, the UK.
1: Well, one of the things that is unfair that our people try and do is compare these, and, and we're not going to go down that road, but... One of the things that's interesting is, is how, yeah, how and when it distinguished itself from, from the original show. Cause, because, I mean, I've, I think I watched the pilot of, of The Office. I think I have watched The Pilot, actually. And I, I did quite enjoy it. But because I'm a massive fan of The Original Office, it, and I remember watching it before anyone knew who Rick Gervais was and, and, and all this. At the very beginning, I used to tape it mm-hmm. before anyone became big. And, and it was weird then watching the American one. And I didn't necessarily think it wasn't as good. It was just a, v- a different kind of take. But when when did it really blossom into not being mm-hmm. that same idea to an extent, just being done in American style and become its own thing? And what was the change, really? I think it was season two. I don't know exactly what perhaps happened behind the scenes, mm. but I think they
2: started. They changed. They changed the, the lighting because it was. They changed. Like, so I remember, I went back and watched the first episode again. Mm. In the first, and the lighting was different. It, Everything feels a lot more brighter in season two. They tone down the David Brentisms out of Michael Scott, which is Steve Carell's character. Steve Carell, if you, you should know who he is, he's pretty
1: much a movie star extraordinary. I love Lamb! Yeah. Brick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And can I just interject and just quickly, just as an aside, say, Steve Carell is in a film I watched the other day called Crazy Stupid Love. Which I don't know if you've seen this, Matt. No, I haven't. No. It's a you'd like it. It's it's a great romantic comedy, and Steve Corelli's fantastic in that. And you can see where, you know, he's got a lot of this from. Steve, so. yeah. Steve corrupts. Care-
2: Steve is, is one of the we- major weapons of the office. Of why it's pretty good, and um, but they they kind of start morphing. that they have a, a kind of background character. Pretty much every person that works in the office become gets their own quirks. So they have like a massive enz- ensemble feel to it. Um, they start to spin original stuff onto the characters. I look, I look back, on, I look back now and see how the character of Dwight Schrute, played by Ryan Wilson, developed, And I cannot picture Mackenzie Crook doing heart well, ninety-five percent of the stuff that Dwight Schrute
1: does. Mm, which he, is he becomes, interesting, isn't it? Yeah,
2: he becomes his own unique character. There's a lot, and the, the build up the, well, for the first few four seasons anyway, the the equivalent of Tim and Dawn um, becomes Jim and Pam and mm. the way that develops originally turns out to be really, really well done I'll, I'll, as I go through the show actually it'll be it kind of deciphered a bit afterwards mm. but um, that gets really well done but the the way that they handle Michael Scott which is Steve Krause's character is that he becomes a lot more like, he's a lot more likeable he's, he's less um, whereas David Brent was perhaps very, very ignorant and was very self Belief, belief and everything yeah self Everything. Yeah, uh, yeah Michael Scott he, he has the mindset that he'd rather be someone's friend but he doesn't have he doesn't fully perhaps understand when the lines cross
1: so like so he doesn't have the social skills basically to do enough, what he yeah. wants to so, do so
2: like he whereas like where someone like um, there's like an ongoing joke where perhaps well then there's like he'll he'll always like make a comment about the character of Pam's breasts oh right yeah. okay but then instead of coming off like an ongoing joke. He yeah. It'll it, it sound kind of a bit too pervy,
1: or mm. he doesn't know the fine line between the jokes <laughs> yeah. and stuff and everything. Um, but he, 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 but his, his main... I'm laughing just at the thought of that, to be honest.
2: But his main... His, <laughs> his main quest is to be liked. Yeah. Is, is to be kind of light and gaze the respect, and it mm. and does a lot of... It does shoot himself in the foot a few times. Like, uh, often there's an episode that Steve Merchant and Chris... Uh, Ricky Gervais and Stephen Merchant Chris Gervais. <laughs> there was an episode called The Convict mm. in season 3 and it's pretty much they discover one of the new employees because um, they did the whole adaption of the, of the swing and the slow thing, it's Scranton and I can't remember what the the other city was but, um, they they did that like, kind of longer drawn out version of that, right. and it works
1: quite well. And, yeah, and how the Michael, two brat the yeah. two brats yeah. have to merge into one. Basically. Yeah,
2: how Michael Scott keeps his job, he's mm. he's actually quite well done because it he, because he, he seem like to be the better person mm. than the other because the other person who's played by a guy called Chip H- Chip Eston, he who used to be mm. on the Whose Line Is It Anyway? Okay, yeah, he play he plays he d- he plays I think it's the Neil character from the UK version, where he's the, the manager of the other one. Right. And, he, and he's pretty much, he's pretty much a star salesman. Mm. And, um, but, the star salesman, and you pretty much know that he's going to get the job and yeah. get rid of Michael Scott. But then he turned, but then it's revealed that he's been in cahoots with Staples. Um, ah, okay. Yeah. Cro- and, well, not Staples, well, he's pretty much been using the job offer to manage both this merged branch um, and managed to get more money from Staples and so moved to Staples. And, mm. um, and one of and the character of Jim. Um, he says that you know what, say what you want against Michael Scott, who never would have done that. Mm, and mm. and that's one that's like one of the kind of because he's got a very strong loyalty to the mm. the company. And there's in the original UK version, the character of Dawn was an artist or had like passion yeah. for art. And yeah. um, Pam has that as well, but she goes to an art school. This is before that sorry, She has a she has an art show where she demonstrates some of her art. She goes mm. throughout the whole the, the office saying, oh, would you come that? Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even Jim. And I can't remember.
0: Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary.
2: But why Jim doesn't go? But the only person to show up is Michael, mm. and he, he shows up, and he like he's like really impressed, and buys a picture of the building they're working, and he pretty much hangs up, and he's mm. pretty much in the background for the rest of the show, which mm. he's the only person there, and like she's quite touched and kind of like move by it and stuff and that kind of change and that I always think of that for him and that kind of encapsulates his quest to be liked mm. um, but but then he also tries to be the person people depend on mm. going back to that episode with Richard about Merchant mm. again when he discovers that one of the people from the other branch is a, was an ex-convict mm. he then tries to lecture them there's a, a lot. There's a re- recurring thing that happens in the majority of episodes where he goes meeting people meeting and he yeah. sends everyone to the conference room and he tries to give like, a, a lecture or a speech on a certain topic mm. that goes on And he, but then he comes back and he's in character as prison Mike
1: yeah.
2: so he goes yo I was in prison bitch <laughs> and he like, starts yelling at people and he yeah. doesn't work as well as he likes but he means well he kind yeah. of means well and,
1: which is which is where, I mean, you, there's definitely a, a very different path between both shows there, yeah. isn't that? Because obviously the the British one was a lot more, uh, probably a lot colder to an extent yeah. really, a lot more icy in terms of what it wanted to really show, which yeah. was the a completely has, deluded yeah. fool really, but, yeah. but the, in essence it was the same thing in that the David Brent character, again, he just wanted to be liked, really, he just yeah. wanted friends he just wanted friends, he just wanted people to listen to him and you know, and and, it, and that had, I suppose, more of a, a, an ending, which kind of was a bit more like the American Office, because the the finale of the Office itself is actually quite touching in places, and it and it really does. It may in the end that David Brent is is a nice guy, and, it, and he he's actually shown up to be the nice guy. Really, yeah. Well, I the, the, I, still,
2: are, he still hasn't lost all of those tracks no, in, him, but no. I think he's. Michael Scott has a lot less of those acidic traits. Yeah, 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 I think Michael Scott's. He's got that selfish... He's not as selfish as Brent. Mm. Brent has probably got a lot of selfish and to lose... Well, I think he loses that to lose... I think Brent loses that delusion lose throughout the whole Christmas special. Mm. So I think he gets a bit more of a world view. But I think Michael Scott is a lot less... He's still got like a view of himself that's not really real. But he's not as... It's not as negative... Yeah. Not as negative and... and because perhaps,
1: nobody in that office in the, in the Gervais one gave a toss about him. Yeah, you see, so there was no, there's very rarely any yeah, connection whereas, with anyone.
2: Whereas, jump in the gunner section, the the, episode, the last few episodes of of uh, Steve Carell and Michael mm. Scott's final episodes, that the whole of the office pretty much have written a song and yeah, do say goodbye and stuff, and which
1: you don't get with the other one. No, it's, it's which you'll
2: never do that with Brent.
1: No, and it, and, it, and that's and if anything, that that really highlights the the difference between how an American and, and a British show deals with the same kind of ideas, doesn't it? And, it, and it, it, to relate it again to film, that is the, what happens in movies as well in that you can get one movie do an idea you know in a very specific yeah. way, and then an American movie will do it very differently and it, and it 's all about the whole idea with comedy is essentially the difference between British and American comedy is that the British like to see someone fail, yeah. whereas American comedy they either like someone to have a happy ending or to to win and it 's whole it 's the whole, whole Frasier... You know, kind of thing. It's why Seinfeld booked the trend quite nicely, yes. because Seinfeld was a show all about losers, really. Yeah. And that was that but that was the great thing. It was very British in a cert, in a certain oh, sense. Kirby yeah. was very the same, you know. But um which is probably why they like a lot of British comedy the person are writing. But the office and I'm not saying the office isn't good for this at all. I'm not saying it's a bad thing because is one of the greatest sitcoms of all time, anywhere, you know. But it it was always about at the end, Frasier would always be the good guy the Oh, poor Frazier! Oh, we want Frazier to win. Yeah. Even even when he was being an ass. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it's the same thing, isn't it? It's yeah. interesting the way things differ.
2: Yeah. But the the, the character of Dwight through, so I mentioned earlier, he is absolutely
1: brilliant. And he's the he's the Gareth facsimile, isn't he? Yeah,
2: but he's nothing like Gareth. He's like, he's from a family of beet farmers mm. uh, with German heritage and stuff. And they've got their own twisty customs. And, and like he's very wound up. And there's a, one of the best ongoing jokes. Is, in the original... Tim used to um, play practical jokes on mm. Gareth. This continues throughout the whole thing, and there's like, um, and some of the best moments are in the cold opens. Mm. Um, for those cold, in TV cold opens, are the little tag scenes you get the start of episodes before
1: the credit sequence, like a pre-credit yeah. sequence in a Bond movie or yeah, something. Yeah,
0: yeah,
2: <laughs> but the, a majority, about ninety percent of these, are completely unrelated to the suit. They're pretty much. Snapshots of like like life in office. So like you'll have people um, like talk about little idiosyncrasies and mm. certain characters and everything. But then there's some where you have some pranks that Jim pulls on Dwight, and there are some amazing ones. There's like what, like one episode, and, and what, actually what he does quite well, which I didn't, which I use, I'm usually quite iffy on visual gags. Some of the pranks are brilliant visual gags. Mm. in season 3 there's one episode where Dwight walks in and finds his desk all wrapped up in Christmas paper everything's wrapped up in Christmas paper <laughs> and Dwight's there going looks at it and goes like why What's? Why is this all why is this all like this and he goes and Jim just shrugs and goes I don't know <laughs> <laughs> right, and he goes oh, what I've got here he sits down on his chair which is also wrapped up he goes and puts his like suitcase on there and then Dwight suddenly leans back and puts his feet on and then the whole... His feet just go <laughs> right through the whole thing as his desk is <He's> not there. <laughs> <laughs> and he, fall, and, he put, and the way... The, the, the force he puts his feet on there, he falls <laughs> off <laughs> his chair and goes right through it. There's another <laughs> one where there's quite a lot of stuff to do with his desk. Like, epi- there's one episode oh, where oh, he comes in and brilliant. all of his, his desk is empty and all of his stuff is actually all in the vending machine. He gets <laughs> the stuff and he goes, I want this <laughs> out. And he starts putting money in <laughs> to get all of his stuff out of the vending machine. And the first thing that goes out it he gets stuck... <laughs> And another one where his desk is missing completely. And he follows oh. this wire. And he's pretty much Jim has set up all of Dwight's workspace in the men's bathroom. <laughs> his phone starts ringing. He goes, oh, I need to move the set. The phone starts ringing. He goes, Dwight's <laughs> truth. Starts going, yeah, yeah, I can put you in for this. And then one of the other characters walks out the toilet and goes,
0: <laughs>
2: around. just looks around blankly. And goes, I, I forgot that I'm actually being recorded. But The does... his, his facial expression is
1: really... Really good, but does Ma- does Michael Scott know this is all happening and find it funny, or is it, is it never really it's, addressed? It's, it's not really addressed because yeah. there's a
2: lot, and one of the things I'll pick up in a second is that it's it's Michael Scott's not that it's pretty much on its own. So the these, the cast of the cast carry it on its own as well, which is what the original did, yeah, definitely. Yeah, you know, and and one of the la- and two other ones I need to mention as well, which in terms of these cold prank albums is. Um, Dwight comes in and Jimmy's pretty much dressed as Dwight and um, John Kranas, Kranaske, in, yeah, right. He he nails Rain Wilson's portrayal, and he pretty much with the gla- like <laughs> thick glasses and like shirts and stuff, the speech mannerisms, and he's like, stop it, stop it, <laughs> stop it. And then a, and and one of the later ones is that um, he comes in and like Jim's turned to Asian, turns Asian, again, and like he goes, what? You're not Jim. He goes, oh, yeah, I have, I have. I'm, I'm Jimmy stuff. And he goes, no, you're not. He goes, you're Asian. He goes, I've always been this way. <laughs> and he cuts, by, he cuts, and he cuts to like got these little talking heads, into talking heads. And he goes, yeah. oh yeah, Steve's, uh, Steve's our actor friend, and he <laughs> and, and like and it like, was no 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 because no because you're married to Pam, you're married to Pam, and so he goes, oh. yeah, we're married for ages, and like there's, there's a family photo of this Asian guy with like a with um, Jim and Pam's daughter <laughs> that had nice like, season eight. <laughs> And he goes, yeah honey," and they kiss and like, and like Dwight's there
1: going, and "Dwight's like <laughs> <He's>, really bewildered." <laughs> he doesn't understand. He's like, yeah. What? That's brilliant. You know, I love stuff like that. That I, sounds I really good. And, uh, obviously, Steve Carell famously leaves, doesn't he, before yeah. the end of the of the actual show itself yeah. to pursue his movie career. I mean, he was obviously still doing movies as well alongside yeah, that, yeah. but now obviously he's he's got even bigger, and you know, he's one of the major comedy movie stars of Hollywood. But did the show, having suffered the loss of an actor, and it's not the only show to have this, you know, there have been other shows where actors have gone off to do movie careers yeah. and, you know, it's had to change things. How, does it, how did it change The Office going into its final few seasons? Did it have a detrimental effect? Did film kind of steal yes. the show and make it make it worse? Or?
2: Yes, because I think what happened was that, um, I, th- I can't remember what point in the show, Greg Daniels was the main showrunner. He left to do Parks and rec- Recreation, which... Mm-hmm. I actually watched that first before I watched The Office. At the end of season seven, like they end up doing this kind of little arc where there's a new boss each time mm. and they're gonna try and find a branch manager. And it kind of loses its way straight away. Season eight, Ed Helms, his character becomes the manager and then James Vader comes in as the CEO of this company mm. that runs Dunder Mifflin, in the country there. And he's very at odds and there's no real serialisation in it. And the one of the main problems one of the main problems with season eight is that gets very cartoony and it doesn't and the character of Andy becomes really unlikable mm. the chief complaint I probably have with the show um, at that point is that it has a t- it. had a tendency to change its tone so it'll go mm. from quite a very subtle character based comedy so you'll have the subtleties of Michael's mm. idiosyncrasies and like social commentary and stuff and basically when he comes in and, and says like you shouldn't be racist but then he says it in a chi- the most racist Chinese voice <laughs> you can ever do but then you'll have cartoon stuff. So while, so Dwight, Dwight's probably the chief example. Is that he'll get really quite cartoonish, mm. and you'll start doing stuff that is is not exactly realistic. Or, right. Like you'll you'll see his farm, and he's got his cousin Mo, which is played by uh, I can't think of the actor's name, but like he's like very Amish. He's got a massive like Amish beard and stuff. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. and like he'll like come in wearing like costumes and stuff. And but then you'll have moments where. Um, Michael Scott's driving driving, and the GPS tells him to turn right mm. and then Dwight's there going no there's a river there no no the GPS telling me to go forward mm. and he drives to a lake <laughs> which is I think the jump the shark moment yeah. where, and the cartoonish element where the show doesn't fully understand how stupid he wants his characters to be mm. without Michael Scott that kicks into a puppet because you've got James Bader being James Bader mm. right, and being hypersexual all the time Right, and it, ter- and it turns out, actually, that in season season 9, uh, Greg Daniels comes back, they add a bit more serialised elements, they bring the focus back onto the characters of Jim and Pam's relationship, and it kind of gets that kind of tone back, where it's a bit more subtle. The characters are very well alive in life, but it gets that consistency back, mm. because Greg Daniels comes back, and he gears up towards a finale. the finale, which is really good, and it starts to explore who the documentary crew is, mm. so they've been following him for nine years, and he builds up to the airing of this documentary and it builds up to a quite consistent finale actually. It's a bit fan-wanky perhaps at times yeah. um, and a bit t- self-congratulatory but then I was watching it after two months. The people will be watching these characters for like nine and a half years, nine seasons worth yeah. and it kind of has a, like a nice happy ending. Everyone yeah. has a happy ending and in fact so you got these final talking heads about people who watch the show and about life and stuff and it gets quite, pu- gets quite emotional and there's some quite deep things that some of the characters say, Mm. there's always, it's like with the UK one, there's always a piece of dialogue that Tim says, uh, by Martin Freeman, and I've always, I can't remember it verbatim, but it's something like that, it's before Dawn comes back, and he goes, Uh, and there's a line that says, you you work, you go to work, and you need these people like eight, nine hours a day, you're with these people for much longer than your own family, Mm. and I can be working here for ten years, and Mm and ten years and stuff the only thing we have in common is that we work on the same piece of carpet yeah. and it's a brilliant line and, he says, and it's very true yeah and it's it's, it's something that and it's all oh, and that's one of those pieces of lines that affects me and stuff and then um, and then he cuts back to the character of Pam by Jennifer Fisher and I've, I ended up developing a massive crush on the character as well mm. he says I watched the documentary I, I only watched a few episodes I couldn't stand Pam I just felt like I was screaming at her and says like, I was five feet away from Jim and it took me four years to get him
1: Mm. Right,
2: and like, and she says, "Like, I hope that someone watches. it okay, I don't know how stupid it sounds, but I hope that someone watches it, or someone watches it and says, you know what? I see her. I want to jump and leap for something. I mm. want to see that and leap for it.' And, and I will hope that my life impacts somebody else. Mm. And that that kind of, that piece of dialogue kind of like, yeah, it kind of clicked on me. It and it works, and it kind of works really well. The characters have a nice happy ending. Um, people end up being friends, and." It just feels like a nice, good uplifting finale. It's probably one of the best finales I've seen. Mm. It is a bit too window washy but then again, it is a comedy show and it probably deserved all that. Mm. So and it and it, it does kind of redeem majority of season eight.
1: Mm. So. I've got to say that the great final line of of the British Office. Uh, and I don't know if it's actually the final episode of the British Office, but it's the it's the final episode of the second season, and it, it's like a concluding line, and it sums up the difference kind of between the more American optimistic look and things like that, and maybe the British one, in that David Brent says, "If you want the rainbow, you got to put up with the rain." <laughs> Do you know which philosopher said that? Philosopher in inverted commas, Dolly Parton, <laughs> and people say she's just a big pair of tits. <laughs> Now that, that's one of my favourite lines of all in that in that show. Like Dolly Parton in this podcast, isn't there? Yeah. So but um you <laughs> wanna say Tony? Oh no, yeah. But yeah, it's like the great thing about both shows is that they do um and from what you've told me about the office and what you told us about the office, is they do make a point to actually say something about about people's lives. Yeah. And and even though it's done through this prism of comedy, I mean, the best comedy does this anyway. Yeah. It always has. The best yeah, comedy definitely. always says something about life or about how people think or about how people feel, and it helps unless if you, you care about these her. people. <laughs> hey?
2: Unless you're random and just.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, unless it's Father Ted, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and that's just you know just <laughs> yeah. anarchic randomness. Yeah. But um, but even that would, in a way, is kind of about friendship, Father yeah. Ted, in, in to some extent. It's just really odd. But no, it's. That, that, and that's the point, I think, and that's why even with the last couple of seasons not maybe being as effective with the main star going off and having a film career, yeah, yeah. it's it's another evidence of television that's yeah. that's speaking a bit higher and trying to yeah. do things that maybe in the past comedy movies would have done and not TV yeah. not TV shows. So, but I, I I I do recommend it. It
2: does go slightly off near the end. Season two and five are brilliant. Season five, is are very very strong. It, there's a whole section in. The, Halfway through it, where he kind of gets fired and starts his own paper com- competing paper company, and that's a really good, strong, funny episode. But he also does a lot for the characters as well. Mm. And it's little moments like that. There are moments where it really touches the heart, tugs on the heartstrings. When it, when they remember they exist and think of stuff to do, the Jim and Pam relationship has some really touching moments. Um, and like, and you get the real sense that these two belong together. Um, mm. which is quite different cause part of me I've always had the mindset that, that I, I've always thought that Tim and Dawn would probably not be together if you, uh, if you ever return to the office I always had the, the idea
1: did you really? To,
2: yeah part of me always thought that perhaps that probably wouldn't last I've thought never thought
1: that. that but because I didn't want to think of that really because yeah. I think that well
2: I, I've never really thought of that until after I watched the US one mm. the Jim and Pam because they were so like, quite in sync quite in sync because I think Tim and Dawn was always like a, a more of a escape from the and surroundings from each other, which is initially what Jim and Pam was, mm. but they felt like actual soulmates but rather than. The
1: American office, by the sound of you, got the chance to actually develop that more, oh, and it definitely, made definitely. it made it more. It, it showed, it showed beyond the point that we got with Tim and Dawn, which was yeah. just the, the realization of this of this love story and a love story that everyone everyone thought, literally up until the last five minutes of the show, wasn't meant to be. Yeah. And, it, and they were really going to do a bittersweet story about somebody, two people who should be together, who never get together. And of course then, there's that marvellous moment where you think yeah. it's finished, and then she comes back and she kisses <laughs> him <it's, laughs> yeah, and like, it's massively well, romantic, and it works beautifully. It, it shouldn't, but it does. <laughs> I think it's so, that, to know, that, that, the song that
2: plays is, is it, I can't remember which version of Only You it is. Is it the Flying Picket version? It's, or is it the other version? Is it the Yazoo version? I think yeah. it's the Yazoo, yeah. It's the Yazoo. Yeah. I that, that. All that song is now synonymous it's, with that scene for me. Actually. Well,
1: it, it yeah. is between. It's between that. It was until I watched Fringe. Oh I, yeah, and and the first episode of the last season of Fringe has oh, that song, and it's brilliantly done. Two fellow, I, mean,
2: I played that song, and that just reminded me, reminded me of that. Song. But
1: it did remind <laughs> yeah. me of yeah. the Office, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Um, yes. Anyway, yeah. But Sorry. no, and, and but that's that's the thing, you know. It, it's it's two shows of the same the same genesis doing things in different ways, yeah. and Again, punching its weight for television. So So if we've got one really good show, by and large, let's talk about one that maybe isn't punching its weight so far, which is, again, something I haven't seen yet. But this perhaps ties into movies even more, um, because we're going to talk about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah. Now, obviously, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., if you've been living on Mars, is a show (laughs) which takes the idea of uh, Shield from the Marvel Universe, basically, which has been established since roughly Iron Man in 2008, and has this been it's been building up this Marvel Universe of movies, which has culminated in the Avengers with a bunch of different superheroes who have been coming together with their own movies. So it's Iron Man, Captain America, Thor, and around it has been this agency called Shield, who have been, and they're basically a covert. Agency, government agency who are involved in cleaning up the mess that is left behind of the superhero world and investigating different things and all that kind of thing. It's kind of like... Uh, it, it's and it, it, On paper it sounds like a perfect idea in that it's a TV show that spins off a key part of the Marvel universe that the Marvel films will never have time to devote to properly because simply they're dealing with these characters. So the point is that as we go towards the end of the first season, most public opinion seems to be that it doesn't work. That a show that surely it must be more effort to get wrong than get right isn't working. So, my question to you, Mr. Latham, is, is that true? And if so, why?
2: I hold faith it'll get better. Yeah. Because <laughs> but it hasn't had the most interesting of starts. Mm. The problem, I think, it was is that you've had these massive blockbuster shows with all these superheroes and everything and Mm. you've got this universe with the Marvel-verse is just rich with so many story Mm. possibilities and okay you can't do that on the TV budget but you've got ABC Disney Marvel with their fingers in this pie and you somehow manage to make the most expensively boring show (laughs) on TV it's like hey there's probably more boring stuff but in what it should be and the pedigree as well around this I mean it's Everyone classes it as a Whedon show. I mean, it's, it's probably Jed Whedon and his wife that did the most of the show when he's so far.
1: Because obviously this was instigated by Just Whedon, wasn't yeah. it? After Just Whedon directed The Avengers, which was finally Joss Whedon's you know, middle finger to everyone who's been yeah. denying him everything for the last ten years since Buffy. Th- yeah. And he's finally proven that he is a brilliant, talented filmmaker. There's a great,
2: there's a great tweet I think a friend of ours called Lee mm. tweeted once that I always remember now. Where he says, like, Quit, oh my god, someone's merged both timelines where Joss Whedon is a critically applauded, <laughs> and B, a success, and merging together at
1: once. <laughs> yeah, exactly, because yeah. that's never happened before. Yeah. Um, not since the days of Buffy, and even Buffy and Angel he was had a on his hands, and it was a cut on his it. hands, yeah. and he, he still fought against a lot of yeah. stuff, and Angel obviously was yeah. cancelled. But he's now instigated chill so he, you know, it was. He can't, He doesn't have time to show it really, because he's busy making Avengers 2, but it's. It, it still has his poor picture yeah. it, doesn't well, it? Yeah, so well,
2: he's, I think he's got a good creative... Cause he, he, I think he's got a, a role in developing the stories for each of the, the, the Marvelverse of the moment mm. So he has got like a kind of overview of what happens, but I think day-to-day running, showing is done through his brother his and brother his him. sister-in-law. Right? Well,
1: he's done a lot of cr- uncredited work, I think, on Captain America 2, which is coming out in... Uh, about a month's time. Yeah. And that's that very much centres on Shield. And from what I've been told, that's that the fallout from that film is gonna factor into Shield's first season finale, I think. Mm-hmm. Or around the end, from what I've heard anyway. So yeah. yeah, you know but then
2: again though, um going back to the dullness that might that is SHIELD, the the Agents of toad or the Agents of Dull, as people have been calling it right. um they had a show which um had the fallout from Thor two mm. and it basically follow and it basically followed them chasing a stick. And it had piece of Okay. nickel.
1: okay,
2: yeah. As, so like, Oh we might finally see someone from Asgard. Yeah, blonde. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, no. No. Turns out that piece of is the Asgard that you'll see. Not no. yeah.
1: like Idris Elba or someone.
2: No, well no. <laughs> apparently, um <clears throat> is it Jamie Alexander? Jamie
1: Alexander is was sif in the films, wasn't she? And she Yeah,
2: she's supposed to be doing a, a guest starring role.
1: Mm. But I mean, and she's great, and, and Sif is one of the underused characters from, from Thor, and especially in Thor 2. Thor 2 was a, a fairly average Marvel movie, in my opinion, anyway. It wasn't great. It was good, it wasn't great. It felt like an Avengers retread, to some extent. And Sif, unfortunately, gets short shrift for plot lines, so she deserves <laughs> more. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and she she's a really good character. Jamie Alexander's a great actress, yeah. and as well being smoking hot. Yeah. But, but yeah, it's, it, it, yeah, it's it's not maybe giving... Is it... Is it not giving the fans what they want, really? I think, Is that the problem?
2: Yeah, well, I think also as well, you've got very dull, story of the week plot lines to go through. I mean, the pa- next, the last few have been a lot... But, well, I, I never realised that I missed an episode until about halfway through the last one I watched. Mm. I missed episode 12. Until mm. I didn't realise well, that. Well, yeah, I mean, that's... But, but then, I think they're starting to slowly build serialisation into it. Mm. And they're starting to have characters, characters going to stay build up onto each other. Mm. But the characters aren't that most in- interesting. There's a there's a brain running joke on A V Club in the comment mm. section of the reviews on Agent Shield for um Agent Ward. Um I think it's Brent Dalton, I think the actor is. And they're basically giving names like Rock McDudchester <laughs> <and> guys like Slag McPhunkmeat and or guys like one of the best one of the best ones was um is it Thyroid McSlab Slab okay? <laughs> and, it's, and it's basically people commenting these names yeah, and it's, he... it's the it's, it's the funniest part of mm. S.H.I.E.L.D. at the moment is basically the running joke of renaming character Ward you've got Ming Na who I think is a really good actress and she's been in quite a few things she was in Stargate Universe mm. she was in I think she was in the art I think she might have been mm. in the art mm, I think she um, was yeah um, she's, uh, and she's been in quite a load of stuff um
1: she was she was Chun Li in Street Fighter
2: as well. <laughs> yeah, let's not mention that.
1: <laughs> I'm not the original Street Fighter, or, or the second one. The the, 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 the Raul Julia. Yeah, the Street, Raul oh well, that's different because yeah. that film's great yeah. <laughs> in a but terrible yeah, way. But, but, yeah, but, yeah, but she's
2: know. like probably the most well, apart from perhaps Clark Gregg, um, yeah. as Coulson,
1: who obviously um, is the only major character to transfer to the small screen from yeah. the big screen, isn't it? Yeah. and the Avengers but, yeah, and the movies.
2: And you've got the not that interesting they have they have a focus on Chloe Bent's character the character of Skye who's a hacker mm. and she's not the most interesting and she's quite annoying lately you started to find a bit more of a backstory and there's probably more mystery developing on and I think as the season will go she'll probably develop into a slightly more interesting character but the supporting characters aren't really lighting the stage up and mm. there's a lot of stereotypical cliched stuff that happens mm. there's There's a moment where, like, one of the characters starts talking about uh, another character and he goes, looks up, he's standing right behind me, isn't he?
1: Oh, yeah.
2: In a a show that's got a Joss Whedon appropriate on. You don't,
1: you can't... Unless that's done with a twist, an ironic twist or something, which would have been done in Joss's own stuff. Yeah, the thing
2: is that, if if Joss Whedon would have read that, he would have gone... He would con- The character would have continued on saying bad stuff. Me and, go- and he goes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. he goes like. Goes. He you, do is st- is you, do- you do know you're standing behind. Me. He goes. Yeah, I was. Ho- yeah, mm. I was going to see how long it was. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, he and he'd, like, have, yeah, he'd have made be, it into a, a joke. The yeah. the,
1: the, it strikes me as an outsider, and the reason I haven't watched it isn't because I'm not interested at all. It's more the fact that I've a I've heard so much negativity. B I've just missed the airings of it. And C personally, right now, I don't tend to watch things week by week. I'd rather block watch things, but. It seems to me from what I've heard that it's potentially trying so hard to please everyone, it's pleasing no one. Yeah. And and that it's because it's got this massive financial thing behind it, this the biggest thing in Hollywood right now, and it's, you know, leading the way and it's got the biggest companies in the in the movie world behind it. And it's got so much money potentially and so much backing that it's afraid to rock the boat in terms of storytelling or characters. Yeah. Because it doesn't want to it doesn't want to produce something that may be Will get a cult following because it, it wants more than that because it's so big and it's supposed to have this massive connection to these massive franchises that it's trying to be all things to all men and as a result, it's not really being anything of interest and it's it's it sounds regressive to me it sounds quite regressive yeah it is when, when we've talked earlier about all these TV shows lately that have really tried to if not outdo film and certainly emulate certain ideas or, or really push the medium it seems like something that would have been made maybe I don't know 20 years ago and be seen as quite cutting edge and exciting but now after the X-Files after Alias after you know all of Chuck after all of these yeah. shows that have well, come and after, gone
2: after, after Joss Whedon's own Heritage we've got the well, well, yeah, Angel as Firefly well, as well. I mean, like,
1: exactly so it feels like well why is it sounding like a, a show from 1992
2: yeah it's and it's, uh, I think you know, I, I still have. I mean, I still have. I managed to sit through a whole season of Newton X, and I don't know good
1: how. Lord above, you really are a TV addict. <laughs> yeah, I managed oh, so God. oh, God. Next to me, my, tell me you used to watch Andromeda.
2: Not all of it. Oh, God. Not You've
1: all suffered. Of it. You've suffered.
2: But I mean, I I still think there's, there are threads of. Decent show. I, think once, I think the characters are going to find itself. I mean, a lot of people said Angel's first season was very haphazard and, didn't, and it didn't find itself until, like, well, ins- well until Wesley. Well, yeah, you know? I would agree. Definitely. And, by, and then, mm. by, but then, again, by, this, by halfway through season one, all the characters are killing off one of the main characters was the best thing mm. he did because it added extra layer of characterisation mm. for, mm. well, Angel, more or less. Yeah. And I think that's what's going to I don't think there's going to be massive death in the characters but there are probably stuff things happen there are things happening in terms of character dynamics mm. and stuff you find in there. about the history of characters that are starting to develop because I still think that I, the first season of Fringe was I, I, I gave up on Fringe originally Episode 7 and the only reason I started watching it again was because people's telling me it's about the third season definitely about right. alternate dimensions and stuff and I'm a massive sucker for time travel and alternate dimensions so, but I, I, I'm also quite strict in that I have to watch everything ge- well, yeah, so yeah. I had to go and. Um,
1: but I mean F- Fringe is an example of a show that you, you, you wouldn't get the same out of it if you hadn't watched from the beginning yeah. you know and, and even though the beginning was very procedural I, I, and slow and I mean it suffered unfortunately it was, it was around the time that a lot of shows were making a lot of Fox shows were making episodes that were about 50 minutes yeah and Sarah Connor Chronicles suffered from the same thing in that, it, that those extra five minutes sapped the pacing, something rotten. It, it 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 was ironically one of the times when more more time didn't do the show any favours because yeah. it didn't mean as opposed to forty two minutes where it has to run on gas. Yes. It was you know it was yeah. slowing it up, and e- you yeah. can do that with the Sons of Anarchy where if anything you don't have enough time to tell everything because it's yeah. a big mosaic. But with a show that should be an action show or a sci fi procedural show, it needs to move and. You know. Things though,
2: even though if it's 14 minutes, it still doesn't move that well. Well, that's the problem. Fringe had um, as much. I, I use Fringe as a defence. Like, well, Fringe didn't work that well when it first started. Um, someone says yes, but Fringe still had Peter Noble as um, John Noble. John Noble. Peter Noble.
1: You fused. Yeah, Peter Bishop. Yeah. And John Noble.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and to be fair, that's not the first time I've done that.
1: But it's. That it John had John Noble and yeah. Joshua Jackson.
2: Yeah. And things though, it was yeah. more like you got John Noble being amazing and Joshua Jackson going. Hang on, what happened to this snotty nose kid that was endorsed as Cree? Yeah, because really he good. was
1: great, he was really deadpan yeah. and funny and, and cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely.
2: Um, um, okay, and it'd probably take about a good another season before Anna Tov became and Olivia actually felt like a main character. But she
1: was never the best thing in the show, anyway, she, no. you, to be honest. But that, the, that's the point, in that it. it the best. Then
2: again, though, season three, I think she drove she, the first oh, season three. Yeah, yeah, I'm not
1: taking anything away from her, but the, the point is that Fringe from the beginning, even though it maybe didn't have the stories all the time it didn't have the pacing Yeah, it had, the two, it had two certainly two excellent characters who were excellent all the way through with two really good actors does S.H.I.E.L.D. have that?
2: really um, it's, it's developed Jay August Richards is starting to come in like a kind of minor character through it and for those Jay August Richards was um, Gun from Angel mm. one of the few I think one of the few characters from regular
1: characters in Angel that didn't start from Buffy yes but, but he's but a the, minor character yeah, and when you're saying the mo- when I ask you that question, you go, oh, J. August Richards is playing a minor character. He's quite interesting." That's yes, that's that's the, that's the problem. You didn't mention any of the main cast. Yes. The people were supposed to be the, mis- the mystery this with.
2: the mystery behind um, Agent Coulson's not that decent either. Mm. So, but and like It's just basically building up slowly, and we want answers, but nothing's really kicking in, and it's not. It's really not that. Good. I, I still have hope though that the last episode was called, was a lot better and I, I, actually, I, actually, I actually left it going, oh, actually, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing next week, which is the first mm. time
1: I think I've actually thought. Uh, and, well, this is it as well, and you do have to give a lot of shows timing that the majority of great shows, actually, <laughs> in fact, I, almost all the great shows I can think of over the last 20 years all started fairly slowly or with not-so-impressive first seasons. The X-Files, Babylon 5, Star Trek Deep Space Nine, even Breaking Bad... Right, yeah, yeah. Well, it was it was good, but it wasn't great, you know. And it's like, well, all do you know, I mean, I used
2: to get around to, to finally drive to do season to what?
1: Yeah, exactly. So then they five stars season two,
2: and <clears throat> kind of stuff, and it's
1: off and, and you quite often find that in most of those shows, in fact, as well. You know, Deep Space Nine took till season three, but or well, the end of season two. But yeah, a lot of them, it takes them at least one season, if not two seasons, to really bed in, kick off, but. The difference was all of those shows, every single one of them. They had they had a Duchovny or Anderson, they had a you know an Armin Shimmerman, they had a, a an Andreas Katsoulas. You know what I mean? They they had all of yeah. these great actors playing really interesting parts. You know a Brian Cranston. You know yeah, and it's Hal. <laughs> well,
2: that you know. half that was like, wait a second, this is Hal. Yeah, <laughs> is <laughs> Hal. what's Hal doing?
1: <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> like, in, in here. But it had all these really really good actors playing. Characters were interesting, but didn't have everything else around them, and then they finally found it all, and it all came together. If Shield doesn't have that, then it's got it's got a fundamental problem. It's going to find hard to change.
2: The, the Things I think Clark Gregg should be that, but I don't think he's been having the material to do it. Mm. And the, the pilot was, uh, was not that bad. And Clark Gregg, is it? <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, Clark Gregg, yeah, Clark
2: Gregg. He's he's, he's almost on Nathan Fillion levels of mm. of handling Joss Whedon <clears throat> dialogue. because there there are certain actors that can, I mean. Nathan Fillion needs, just needs to do stuff that Joss Whedon writes for him because he is a perfect fit. And Clark yeah. Gregg, I think, is very similar. But then Just Whedon hasn't written anything else. Right, and that's the point yeah. you see.
1: So it, it, it seems to be a fusion of certain things. Really, it seems to be characters that don't necessarily have the best casting behind them, or the writing mm-hmm. that isn't fully, you know, isn't fully there. The storyline isn't fully there. Yeah, it, it's a shame because, it, like, like you say, it has this. This, this, these tentacles into the biggest franchise going yeah. right now. Movies that, ironically, have pushed the, the, the envelope quite often. You know, they have done different things than you expected. You know, they've, they've hired really creative people like Shane Black for Iron Man 3 or, you know, Kenneth Branagh for Thor. And they've, they've taken these superhero movies into a really... And the reason it's worked so well is because they've, they've pushed, they've challenged, they've had Joss Whedon do The Avengers, which is just yeah. brilliant. So to then do a very bland.
2: Sorry, I just realised I know why that won the that episode won the Emmy there. Okay,
1: hold on. <laughs> Sorry, hold on. To, to to um you know to go from that to a very dull, piecemeal, mm. TV show seems a real disconnect, and it seems like it seems like I mean it will definitely get a second season simply because yeah it, it's because, Shield and yeah. because of the money but. Let's hope that it really does do the movie series justice, and 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 kind of prove, keep proving the idea that because it's it's an important show in the sense that it's it's an indicator of what might happen more, in terms of these big movie franchises spinning off into different things. I mean, you know, you could well have if the DC Justice League thing comes off with Man of Steel and Batman, Mm -hmm. you could well have certain characters spin off into TV shows on certain networks from that. So you know, like like how well Arrow's doing, for instance. I know yeah. that's not going to be part of it, but there was even talk of Arrow going onto the big screen to be part of that. Do you know what yeah. I mean? I don't think that's going to happen.
2: That's Arrow's going to probably spin off, get a spin off about of the Flash, right? Exactly. Yeah. So you know,
1: you've got all these different things yeah. coming off that are going to connect to movies and movie characters and things like that. And if Shield's going to need to, Shield's leading the way to an extent. It's pioneering that, and it needs to step its game up. I think to prove that that can work because. That's going to be a big thing for the future of TV, I think. And movies. Yeah. So, come that. on, I'll get your game up. Yeah. Go on, then.
2: Sorry, I just, so, I'm sorry for that, Ed, <clears> but <throat> just... But I think the talk of just written, and I suddenly realised that I think it was... Have I, is it I only got eyes for you, That one? I think it was. Becoming. Becoming. No, it wasn't. I said Becoming, but it wasn't.
1: Hang on, for what? For the Emmy? Yeah. For the hairstyling? Yeah. No, that was Becoming. Was it? Yeah. I only, if I, I've only got eyes for you was the, uh, An- the Angelus thing.
2: Complete, complete. Uh,
1: the, the the him becoming thinking of angel the show.
2: Oh, so I thought I, I suddenly thought it was to do with the 1950s.
1: No, <laughs> know, <yeah. laughs> all that build up and it was wrong anyway. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> we're going to move on uh, to the final little bit, which is going to be my quiz. Yes. Now, now I've chosen, um, and this is going to be a complete shock to you if you've been listening all the way through. I've chosen the X Files for my quiz, and mm-hmm. I've chosen season two as well. Um, because for both of these shows, season two is where it really kicked in properly. And you know, the first season of the X Files was was a lot more standalone. It was very procedural. Um, it had some good ideas, but it didn't really know what it was yet. You know, and it had some great episodes in there. And Mulder and Scully were starting to come together, and 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 the character the characters were there. They just needed a bit more seasoning. Season two, well, it starts off and they're not on the X Files. You know, and it, it's all been thrown up in the air, and they have to really get back into it. And it takes a real turn, simply by the coincidence of fate, in that Gillian Anderson was pregnant. And she became pregnant, and she had to go off, and they went, oh my God, how are we going to write around her pregnancy? Uh, okay, let's let's have her abducted by aliens. <laughs> and
2: from from, 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 <laughs> from my research, it um, turns out that was the best thing show, the show did, well, for the few, long-term planning.
1: It was, it was the trigger for a mythology that lasted for the rest of the show's long, life. And, you know, you'll get... Critics and people debate whether it was a good idea, whether the X-Files should have really stayed a procedural, supernatural, monster-of-the-week kind of show with the odd alien episode. Like season one, I personally think it was the best thing it did because it it started to make it about Mulder and Scully as opposed to it being about the cases they're on. And at that point, it became a phenomenon. It was at that point that everyone was hooked. The two episodes where she was taken, Dwayne Barry and Ascension, Dwayne Barry especially, is... A, a phenomenal piece of television you know it, 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 and he's for sort of, guest star and everything Steve Back who played Dwayne Barry and it's got um, just some st- some stonking acting and the, and the season 2 the arc of that I've just on. answered one of your questions haven't I Carry on, yeah. uh, <laughs> I can see on his face he's grinning and it's got <laughs> he's going to have no questions left by the end yeah. of this and I <laughs> hurry up yeah, yeah, yeah. and, and it, just, it just escalates from there and it's still got plenty of standalones but it's got some it, Season two. If, if everyone if people say, "Oh, The X Files was terrifying," season two is the is the show is the show I would point them to when they say, how, how, "Why is it terrifying?" I'd point them to episodes like Fresh Bones, which was to do with voodoo, which is absolutely shit scary even right. today. You know, it's it, and it's got some. It's got really dark episodes, um, <laughs> like Irresistible, which is about a death fetishist mm-hmm. who basically starts taking bits of the dead, and uh, it, it's it's terrifying and it was the show personally I think at it's best in many ways simply because it, it blended the, the characterisation with the stories and the mythology ended with a whumping cliffhanger that really sh- threw the show up in the air but also was terrifying and inventive and funny and creative and the show was still good for many years but I don't, I don't think it's ever been quite as good as season 2 and, I, and it's always the season that I re-watch first if it's on Netflix, I'll put on an F Eff- or a Die Hand of Violets. I'll just okay. put these episodes on. So that's why, for me, it's my choice. And it holds up as one of the best TV seasons of anything ever.
2: Okay. So, okay then. So let's go through some of these questions. It's <laughs> a um, fun. 15 questions on X-Files Season 2. Exciting. How many Emmy nominations did the show receive for the second season?
1: Oh. Oh. Oh, oh i d I'm not very good with numbers. Um, I, I have no idea. I'm gonna I'm gonna guess. I'm gonna guess. Seventeen. Seven. Oh I got they'll get a point for having one of those numbers in. <laughs> Which actor slash
2: actress was nominated for outstanding guest star? I could offer you a hint if you want to, but well Let me no, think. I, no, actually, no, I won't give you a hint because it might be too obvious.
1: Let me think. Well I did just say Steve Row's back, but I think he won. So I don't think that's the answer, is it? Stop! Pl- stop putting your poker face on. He's staring at me. Well, <laughs> no, no. right, I'm going to go with Steve Riles back, because you were grinning earlier. No, it's not. It's CCH Panda. Oh, CCH Panda. for the same episode, <laughs> Dwayne Barry as as the 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 hostage negotiator. Oh, good. How many CCH episodes Pender? did Chris Carter write? He didn't write. The, he didn't write the premiere. That was Wong Morgan Wong. He wrote Dwayne Barry and he directed Dwayne Barry. He did. He may have done one breath. He did. He was involved in Colony, Endgame. He was. He would have done Anasazi. Eight.
2: I've got seven. Oh! I can't name which one so I have got it written down.
1: So, so got nine three. <laughs> yes, I'm doing this awful, is... and you thought these were going to be easy. <laughs> yeah,
2: if, 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 okay, that said though, if you don't get this one, which episode didn't contain Dean
1: Anderson? Didn't contain three. Yes. With the vampires. Yes. Uh, where Mulder was on his own investigating the vampire court in Los Angeles. Really good episode, actually. Yeah. Side fact, little bit of trivia. He met his then-girlfriend, Perry Reeves, yeah. in that episode.
2: That was originally a question that I changed. Ah, <laughs> yeah. okay. okay, difficult question. Name the actor who played Wayne Barry.
1: Uh, oh, okay, this is hard. Uh, I think it begins with... Uh, Bob, Chuck, uh, no, it was Steve! Steve Rouseback, yes. Yes. Ah, Chocker. Yeah. Uh, what were Bill Mulder's last words? Forgive me. Yep. Yeah. after being shot by Alex Krychek in a fantastic moment Mm. what actress
2: was supposed to play X before being recast as Stephen Williams
1: Um, uh, Natalia Nagulich who played Admiral Nechayev in uh, Star Trek The Next Generation Yep, and that's a good scene actually that is on YouTube that scene of her as X so if you're a fan of the X-Files look that up because it's fascinating to watch she was a template also for Marita Kovarubius in later seasons who replaced X Okay, Mm.
2: who played Samantha Mulder in Colony Megan Leach. Yep.
1: Who reoccurred re- many times over the season.
2: Name season the episode two. that crycheck and X are introduced.
1: Sleepless. Yes. It's episode four, I believe.
2: What was the main intent of the herbal drug in Excelsius die? The main intent. Oh
1: ooh. the main intent. That was a that was a creepy episode, that haunted hospital. Uh but what was it meant to do? Oh. Well, I think it was he it was being cultivated by this, this Japanese guy in a basement. I think he was trying to stop people being able to see the ghosts. No.
2: No, it's no the other one. What was the other thing? What do you mean? There was there, there was there was something it was meant to do first. And I think that was a side effect. Well, this is what well that's what Wikipedia tells me. Oh,
1: um, to make the old cure the old people of something? I I don't know. I, I no, I, I pass. Uh, it was curing Alzheimer's. Ah, <sighs> close close name the
2: substance that possessed Dr. Chester Ray banton um, soft light that's the name of the episode
1: uh, oh, oh, oh hang on a minute hang on because it was what's it called hang on I know I love soft light it's a great episode Tony Shalhoub playing Dr. Banton oh, m- dark matter Yep. yeah that's it Yeah. So, which future Aaron Talking lead appeared in this season Oh, uh, Bradley Whitford. Yep. In Firewalker. Yep. He got killed in the volcano. Yeah. Uh, uh, ori- uh, originally,
2: originally I was going to ask you to name the episode. Can you name the character?
1: Doctor. Oh.
2: Oh. But this this isn't a question. This isn't actually a question. You know. This originally it was,
1: but I changed afterwards. Doctor. Is it, you're not getting any points for this, by the way. No, no. But I'm just. I just want to get it now. <laughs> <laughs> Doctor Venglis? Venglos? Daniel Tretkos. Tretkos! That's it. Tretkos. I think it's Daniel. Did you yeah. write it is, you're right. Daniel Tripcust.
2: So far, I think you've got seven out of 12 so far. It's not bad. Um, name the boat featured in Dudcom. Oh, God, Dudcom
1: On the ghost ship. Oh. You know, it's just, these questions are completely different than what you asked. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but they're, they're, they're yeah. still tricky though. You've done yeah. well. Uh, oh, the
2: that, um, yeah. that said, though, these yeah. last three are ones that I changed after he texted me this morning saying that some of these are going to be difficult for me. <laughs> <laughs> so I was to do these are No, I
1: don't know. The USS Arden. Oh, forgot it. Yeah, okay. I wouldn't have got that.
2: What were the messages that were found on the kidnapped teens in Wisconsin? I can give you the episode if you want to.
1: It's Red Museum. The episode. He is one. She is one. Yep. Yeah. Eight out of fourteen. Step, and the last boy. one.
2: Last one is what age was given in Paula Kern's personnel file? Oh that's from
1: our town. Yeah I was you the episode. About the uh the cannibals in the chicken. It was before the, it was the penultimate episode. Of the penultimate episode, episode of the season. Yeah. What age was she? Because she must have been. She was she was she looked young but she wasn't. 50 55.
2: 47. Oh
1: it's close. Because she looked like a teenager yeah. because of the what she'd been eating and made her look younger. Oh go on okay. there what's me what's me title?
2: Oh crap. I think it was <laughs> I think it might yeah. be seven or eight.
1: Seven or eight at fifty, I'll take that. Yeah, that's 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 roughly half, I think. Yeah, so I think we both did all right there. Yeah, I think fairly. They were good questions, though. Very good questions. And I know I know the details around them, <laughs> around the answers. It's one of those things For, like, like,
2: oh
1: yeah, no. I think... Oh yeah, don't tip your tongue. Yeah. But um, no, that was fun. That's going to wrap it up. This has been a long one. Um, that's what she said. Hey, yeah. hey! thank you, Michael, <gasps> Michael Scott. Yay. Um, and uh, you know we've we've talked TV. I think we've tried to tether it to um, movies as much as possible. Yeah. But you well, know the, the whole idea of this really was uh, was meant for the original Black Hole show. Yeah. But uh, we, we I still wanted to wanna us doing it because I wanted to talk about it as well and um, even right. though I, 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 I like to
2: support the case for TV I'm more pro TV than movies well there you go well, there's, there's an ongoing there's an ongoing joke that
1: <laughs> beat me be, to this yeah.
2: there's an ongoing joke that I think I'll just beat to the punch to, he was going to mention yeah. that, um, there's a long that I haven't seen a lot of films mm. and a lot of the famous ones that people can see in their kids and probably because I was watching TV at the yeah. time and so. it's, it's a
1: running joke in our friendship circle in that we go oh have you seen um, Jurassic Park I know you've probably seen Jurassic yeah, Park seen, but have <laughs> you seen Jurassic Park I know I haven't, and we're like, of course he hasn't. <laughs> it's like, yeah. of course he hasn't. Of course you haven't. You're laden. But no, it's it, it is interesting how you know you've got two people. I mean, I, I I love TV. I've always loved TV. I will frequently watch TV. But my my first love is movies. Hence why I'm doing this podcast. You know, and one of the big things I'm doing this year is watching more movies and seeing more movies and, and learning more about film. So, but it's great because you're doing the you're doing the other side of it. You're doing TV. You're managing to keep going with a lot of the television. I mean, you, you, what's impressive about you is that you'll watch things at like six AM before you get to work, well, which I, I couldn't even do if I wanted to. Well,
2: so I've, I've usually got like a forty-five minute window from when I come out the shower, and then when I have to leave. Yeah. So, like, I'll, I'll get changed. I'll get I'll get changed, dried up, or something, and I'll just have something running on the background. It's usually either one forty odd minute show or two in the or two. So, I used to go through two episodes of The Office, yeah. um, before work because I could just fit them in. I used to watch Lost at like about half six in the morning. Oh my God. I remember,
1: I'm surprised you have no irreparable brain damage. Not because Lost is a bad show, but because it's so mad and complicated. I couldn't imagine watching it that. Early. for the rest of the day. Didn't well, it you know. did. You? Yeah, every yeah. task um, was easy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, hopefully you've enjoyed our, our little talk about a couple of TV bits, you yeah. know, and our, and TV in general, and us testing each other. So thank you for letting me invade your podcast and like change the subject matter. It's it's yeah. been an absolute pleasure, <laughs> despite the fact, yes this was called Black Hole Cinema and (laughs) we've not talked about cinema too
2: fair though he goes here's my guest Matt Latham we're talking about cinema
1: so I saw this I um, (laughs) haven't I watched I saw this true true. actually I watched Demolition Man (coughs) oh look at that yes one day we'll do a whole film podcast on Demolition Man which I actually wouldn't mind yeah it'll probably be longer than the actual film it might be yeah so yeah thank you thank you Matt, for for coming on. it's been a pleasure and uh, thank you to Matt's uh, technology and gadgets which has meant we can record this in the same room, yeah. um, so there's none of that awkward, you know. Um, i have probably room for you now. You
2: probably want to do every podcast like this. Oh
1: well, because it'll sound brilliant and it'll it'll sync much better. So yeah. it's, I'm going to have to get one of these gizmos. So if you if you see a marked improvement in quality over the next few weeks, blame Lay them, okay? Because it might happen. <laughs> yeah, um, but uh, but no, thanks for listening. It's been a longer one. That's what she said. Yeah, there we go, and uh, <laughs> and yeah, we'll. Um, I'll be back soon for another venture down the black hole to discuss cinema. So, thanks Matt. Thanks Tony. See you next time.